And that's the message to tell us that we're recording. So welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. This is Chris Bakke with David Turksey. And I hope you pronounced that right. How are you today, close, David? Close enough. Hi. <laughs> Good to be here. Awesome. So uh, in general, we're going to aim for about an hour of just questions and answers. And if you have any questions, please feel free to ask them in the uh, event questions chat. I'll uh, kind of start from the top and work the way forward. Uh, David, if you're curious, you can kind of scroll up a little bit to see some of the questions that have already been asked. So uh, without further ado, why don't you start by introducing yourself? Um, who are you? What okay. have you made? Brag okay. a little bit. I'm David Turzi. I'm a Hungarian-born uh, game designer currently residing in the Netherlands. <laughs> but for the past eight years, I lived in the UK, so some might know me from those circles. I am most known as the designer of Anachrony and also as the guy who makes an unreasonable amount of solo modes, uh, which is a complete random happenstance, and feel free to ask me about it unless you've heard that story a million times. Uh, and uh, I went full-time board game design and development uh, almost three years ago now. And due to that, now I have a constant shower of games arriving of the projects I've been doing for this past two, three years. So uh, Tekanu, Roman Roll have both released in the past few weeks. And the Tawantin CU is releasing next month. And besides that, you see me around on Facebook BGG shamelessly promoting everything so well that's, that's that's part of our jobs as as designers sometimes very much so if you if you can't sell your stuff then that's already half your success gone there so exactly okay so uh your first question here is from mondo davis what are some trends in board game design and publishing such as themes mechanic production etc that you think will stick around for a while and what are some that you think will fade I am a terrible judge of this because my tastes almost always tend to go the opposite direction than the trends go. So if I hate something, then just assume that it's here to stay. Uh, and me, hopefully not vice versa, because uh, luckily uh, heavy economic interactive euros aren't going anywhere just yet, just because I like them. Uh, but... From what I've seen from publishers, I mean, again, I, I work very much in a niche, so I can't tell you what what's what's popular amongst the the easy easy to get to the table folks, but the definitely the bigger and fancier Kickstarter trends have kind of feels like they plateaued out and 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 I don't think Anybody can do a bigger boom by tossing another mountain pile of minis on top. So so that there's definitely a bit of reeling back there. Then we had the year of Roland rights, and and I definitely tried to push my envelope with that on Roland Roll. But somehow some people are still not bored of those games. I mean, there are a few good one of them, but the rest of them feel like the same song over and over again. So I don't know when will people get bored of it. If they don't, then publishers will keep making them because they're very cheap to make. What else? Uh, Vikings. Every time somebody brings up a Viking game, we always go, okay, is this a boon because it's easy to sell or are we bored of them yet? And then when you're convinced of one answer, suddenly you find an example of the opposite. So again, I don't know. <laughs> You can yeah. always make more games about Mars. I don't know. 
zombies have been boring since since before they were cool, but apparently, I don't know. So no idea. I, I know there will be train games after even after the only players remaining are the cockroaches post the nuclear apocalypse. So. Well, the good news is after the apocalypse happens, we can find that we can at least be entertained by an 18xx games for a very long exactly, time. Exactly, exactly. So. After you uploaded your brain to the computer and you need to find something to play for the next thousand years, that sounds about two rounds of the game. <laughs> okay. Next question from Rafa. Uh, which statement do you agree with more? All good board game mechanics have been invented to make great games. All we can do now is re-implement existing game mechanics, or there are still many great undiscovered game mechanics that will surface in the future. Well, I definitely hope it's the latter, but these days I find that it's less about inventing a mechanism and more about presenting a mechanism. Like, just... Like, a a anything can be eventually uh, expressed in if you use action selection, uh, shuffling, uh, like, like everything breaks down to the same things and, and uh, stickering cards or putting them into fancy sleeves or writing them mechanically, they're kind of the same, yet they achieve completely different things. So, so to... So definitely you need to play every existing game and well not every but like uh, like anything that matters for for the thing you're working on and see how can I make it different and better as opposed to just can I do something like this because that's not good enough anymore but also try and think what would make more sense when 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 somebody comes up with a great mechanism, then what most people actually mean is, ha, huh, they managed to present this reasonably complicated idea in a natural, in a in a ah, I get this kind of way. And 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 like deck building was a very good example of it. It's it's you get stuff, you get to keep using that stuff, and you can get stuff to get more stuff with it. That's just you know how life works. But to present it in a form of a shuffling deck where you get to reuse the same is, is a good presentation. So to me, that's, 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 that's the part of mechanism invention I enjoy is like how we can present the same ideas in a cooler twist. Okay. So um, I'll also ask another one from Rafa. Um, other than yourself, who is your favorite board game designer and why? Well, I'm in the lucky position to have at least talked, but often worked with most of my favorite board game designers. So this is very, very colored opinion uh, because historically I've always said Vlada Schwatel is my favorite, but he hasn't done any my style of games since Tashkalar. So he's kind of faded from the forefront of, of oh my God, Schwatel game, I must play it. Well, I have worked with him and the guy is the the stereotypical genius so like i like I've, I've worked with many smart people but but he's next level so so that 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 would be one answer to the question but recently i've been playing a few fisters that i really like i've only had a small chat with him haven't worked with him yet but he's he was very nice as well uh 
definitely within the kind of games I liked, Vita Lacerda should always be mentioned. Uh, the, the Vinos and Galleries and Kanban, those are easily in my top 10, top 15 games. I don't know. I, I try to learn from all of them. I, I, yeah. I, I've, I've had chats with, I think, four different top 100 designers on why they don't like the other one, the next one in the circle, and yet I love all of them. So... Uh. Okay. All right. Next one from Anthony. Um, what are the biggest flaws in your favorite games, and why do you forgive them? What are my favorite games? Let's start there. Um, what are my favorite games? Mage Knight is horrendously overcomplicated, but it all makes sense. Uh, well, except the elemental immunity, but you get over it. Um, I let it go because it's the most fun you can have for four hours, it, assuming everybody on the table is capable. What else is my favorite games? Uh Staying with Vlada, Tashkalar is my favorite two-player game. It, its biggest flaw is that it requires, if not learning the cards, but at least anticipating the kind of stuff that have, can happen. But still, it's very exciting, even if, if, if one has a bit of an advantage. And normally, I don't like games where you have to learn too much. But with, with Tashkalar, it kind of seems like a... The payoff is not not as far as, for example, learning all the cards of Twilight Struggle would be, which I also have done foolishly. Uh, Tricarian is super long, and I have never seen anybody who, on their first game, can optimize the understand and optimize the trick placement puzzle. But if they have the patience to learn all the micro interactions and the micro concerns, then when you can see the Ah, now I see why it matters. Then, then that feeling is what I love so much that I give it for it. Glory, glory to Rome is random as hell, but it's just so much fun to explode everything. And and oh, please just don't. Why didn't you call craftsman? So that's 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 my idea of fun. Uh, uh, what else is on my favorite games that I can like? And and that's the problem that I have my set favorite games. And and by working on games with on my own or other people's games, I've learned how to critique them and how to say if I could change one thing, let's change that. And because of that, it's very hard to get a new favorite game because now I can now I can find fault in almost every game. So I don't okay. know. Ask me after I've played Barrage ten more times, and maybe I'll have a new favorite game because I haven't yet found a fault in it. And I would say Brass is another near faultless game but it's more of a more of a preferential thing for me like like lancashire is too mean and birmingham is 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 almost not mean enough for what it's trying yeah. to do but 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 there's nothing i could do to make it better there's something i could make it do different but there's nothing i could make either of them better i can make either of them more like the other or move towards a third direction, but there is no, this is wrong, this should be different. Okay. Next one from Marcel. Uh, what are your favorite questions to ask after a playtest, and what do you look for most during a playtest, uh, or how do you write down feedback uh, during and after a playtest? Uh, I, I, I am a very bad person to ask this. I'm, ex I'm very much like feeling based 
Like I, I, I don't have scientific method for almost anything, and playtesting is no exemption from this list. I watch them play. I when it depends on what stage the game is it. If it's if it's trying to find out that is the game worth it, then I'm asking, are you having fun? Do you want to continue? Uh, would it be interesting if he did that? If he kept doing this? If it's in the if it's in the balancing strategy phase, then then what would it take for you to consider taking that action? Why aren't you taking that action? Mm-hmm. Uh, if if it's if it's in the is the game too complicated phase, is okay. Tell me which part did your brain blink out? Because I know your brain blinked out one of that. Just tell me which one went whoosh. Okay, so, so, like, so interesting. So, like, 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 almost what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Or yes, what yes. part was just too confusing to either, either, either the thing is too confusing by itself, or or everything is a little confusing and it puts you over the top. Either of those, but it's it's always if it's okay, my turn, I take this, I take that, your turn. If the game goes like that, I really don't care because. They'll either like it or not, but that will be a personal preference. The game goes. If the game doesn't go, I need to find out why it doesn't go. What, exactly. What what got you bogged down? Why do you not like what you're doing? Why are you sighing deeply every time this happens? Is it a good frustration of, oh my god, I want to do both things, which is, to a point, fun. After a point, it's AP, but... Or is it like, oh, not this shit again, which is bad. So that's I, I, I go for feeling. And and I I often get uh, told off for, oh, he doesn't spend enough game times on his game. He does everything fast. It's because yeah. I, I rate my own feelings as well. If, if, if my feeling is good, then send it for testing and see if it's balanced. If my feeling is not good, then quickly iterate and quickly replace. Because... Polishing turds will never make stakes. That's true. So just as a follow-up to that, I'm curious, how are you currently doing playtesting in these uh, wonderful times of coronavirus? How are you currently doing playtesting? I, I, I always feel bad when, when, when various levels of amateur and semi-professional game designers ask me for this kind of advice because my advice is completely inapplicable to them. Uh, I work with five different publishers, an army of solo playtesters, and uh, a weekly regular playtest group during the daytime. So I have access to resources most people don't. And and I coordinate. And I have a list of 10 games in various forms of playtesting. And and I do a roll call, essentially. Okay, how are we doing on this project? Am I the one testing it? Are you the one testing it? Have you played a solo game of it? Have Have you managed to get it on the table physically? Uh, I have volunteers doing TTS modules for like at this point. I have four different volunteers making TTS, but it's uh, uh, I have to do it as a professional operation and 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 you know keep the volunteers happy or eventually upgrade them into paid people. But that's that's a very unhelpful answer to you because. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, so at this point, it sounds like you're, you're more you're more the conductor of the orchestra. Yes, yes, definitely. I'm not the star violinist. I am the conductor. That's 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 a very good metaphor. I'll take that. Okay, fair. Uh, yeah. Next, Chris. So, um, 
Next question comes from Eric Geller. Uh, do you have any advice coordinating blind playtests or general advice to get the most from it? Any survey questions you think are good to ask? So, Conductor. Luckily, there are much more formulated and better verbalizing persons than me in most teams, and it's their job to write those questions. Okay. So... I am I am horrible for that. It's I ask, have you had fun? Did you understand it? And if you could, if you, what's the thing you hated the most? But those are rubbish questions. And if you do that, your game will not improve at all. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, okay. That's like for, for better or for worse. Um, we all have learned how to play test with the resources and capacities that we have. Uh, I mean, I'm. Like I'm calling in from from Warsaw, Poland, and I was part of a, a weekly group that met in real life until they stopped meeting in real life, and then, you know, a lot of us jumped into virtual playtesting with both feet, uh, yeah. not really knowing how exactly it would all kind of turn out. And uh, four months and 800 members later, here we are. Yeah. If you want to see a very good and and very useful feedback form, then go sign up with Mindclash for Perseverance playtesting, and then fill out the form at the end. There you go. We got, we got some very good feedback from that, but none of it actionable. None of it was like, I don't like that, change it. It was all like, we liked it, but had a bit of feeling this, a bit of feeling that. Then we took out the list of, of all the small or not yet problems that uh, Victor and I were aware of. And we're like, okay, if we change this, how many more people are we making happy? If we change this, how many more people are we making happy? How strongly do they feel about that thing? And 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 then and then judge it. Is this worth it? Is this worth our time? Does this honestly make a better game or does it just make it slightly more appealing to that guy? So and that was a very thorough questionnaire that I would have never written. Mm -hmm. So there you All go. All right. Cool. So uh, I'll switch over to some questions I've collected from the hosts of the group. And if anyone listening right now has any questions they'd like to ask, go ahead and type them in the uh, event questions channel. Um, so next question for you. Uh, how many different designs are you working on right now? I don't know. A dozen or two, honestly. Okay. I would have to get out my notebook and check. Like Today, I actively designed four. Like I was actively working on four games. Uh, this week, about seven, what day is it? Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? I don't know. Uh, overall, Wednesday, so. overall, my brain is actively thinking about 10 games and there's another, I don't know how many that I'm just, oh, here's an email. Let's reply to it. In terms of, uh, organizing comes with, uh, comes with the conducting style that, <laughs> that I work a lot very condensed like like two two weeks ago i had a meeting where one of my publishers went oh wouldn't it be cool if we could make a game like this and that with a bit quicker turn and i was like well i have this half finished game that i didn't finish because i hate but i'm missing that idea and that idea do you have anything for me and he gave me two lines and then last week i sat down in the morning and then the evening i had uh unplayed but complete rulebook and okay. I sent it to him today, and he was like, okay, we start playtesting next week. I love it. So nice. and and so I have several times designed, not finished, but designed a game in a single day. 
So by that logic, I could theoretically work on 15 games a month, but I'm not gonna because that's not how inspiration and not how like I tend to like like have four days where I do the the development job, then take one day off, then design a game, and then repeat. Okay. So because because I need to clear my head to be able to because a game design is is visualizing a system in my head. And then going, okay, on my turn, I can choose between this, this, and this. This option makes sense if you're going for that strategy, but the more you go for this strategy, the more that strategy. And, and you know, the, the numbers come out, and, and Russell Crowe goes, ah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, in terms of keeping things straight, um, I guess I'm more curious about the mechanical process than the, than the, the theoretical one. But, like, how are you keeping notes, or how are you tracking information across different playtests different senses of development are these different notebooks different google docs um for for late stage games that you know that uh, that have like teams and 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 people testing various things yes it's a google doc per session but luckily by the time a project gets there and it's a big enough project it's no longer my job to keep that keep track of that mm-hmm. uh, for for the little Jobs are who I need to fix this one thing, who I need to reply to that email, who I need to specify what uh, what information should be there. That's a sticky note on the corner of my laptop. Uh, and for games I'm actually designing, those are wet erase notes on my desk. Like right, right. now, my table looks like a crazy person table. So uh, yes, be, be a high functioning crazy person. That helps a lot. Um, I mean, I, I'd love I'd love to be a high functioning crazy person. Right now, I'm just a, a middle functioning. Uh, crazy that's but, that's uh, the best we can all hope for. Exactly. Okay. Um, so this one's from one of the other hosts. Uh, if you look back at games that you have designed and, and have been published, and you consider how they've been received by gamers, what sort of changes would you now make to them? Why do you think that might have been missed during development? I mean, my first two games, Redacted and Microfilms, were done where everybody involved was newbie. So... If somebody pitched that game to me today, I would say, hey, can you do it a little better or a lot better or just condense it or something. But the underlying ideas, the reason we wanted them published is still valid. So we just didn't know how to make it better. After that, with Days of Iron Anachrony, things got serious and and we were like, let's get it done properly. With Anachrony, looking back, with the game being top 50 and a zillion people playing, we identified there are three or four tiny balance problems in it, and we fixed it in the new edition and offered the... So it's not unheard of to go back and check it. Uh, with 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 Days of Fire, other than the rulebook notes, we had nothing to go back on. Probably... But, but then again, I unless I learn something to do better or catch a mistake or something... Usually things don't slip up on those mistakes. Usually things slip up on on big directional problems. And and unless there was something seriously wrong, and could, that hasn't happened to me yet. But for example, Dice Settlers is a lot less known than I would expect it based on the initial feedback we got during testing and, and partners and whatnot. And I kind of think that it's the theme looks like it's light, the dice look like it's light, but the gameplay is actually deep and manageable. 
and then the expansion makes it twice as deep, which means that if if a heavy gamer randomly finds on it, they'll love it, but a light gamer might bounce, or an exciting gamer might find it boring, or so if 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 I if I would have an exactly game like that today, then I would hey, can we have a more Euroy title? Can we mm-hmm. find a, a more obvious theme for it? But then again, here I am again with Roman Roll, which is another dice manipulation, low randomness uh, interactive strategy game, which we sold as a heavy roll and ride. And half of the reviews go on about why is this a roll and ride? And my answers are because it's half the size of a Euro game that could do the same thing. It's half the price of a Euro game get to do the same thing. We it had half the work for us to make than a Euro game, and also because nobody has ever done it before. So, but because of it, people who expect a roll and ride get it and get disappointed, or people who would love an inter- interactive heavy dice Euro don't check it out because oh, I hate roll and rides. So I often question whether I'm being. I don't want to say too unique because that sounds like very bad humble bragging, but like that, like I'm, I'm, I'm too out of the 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 main flow of the river, and 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 if I was aggressively pushing how to be as successful as possible, then I have to color within the lines more often. And and Tekken went to you are extremely good examples of it, where we said. Let's make a very good game, and then and then let's not rock the table. Let's let's make it exactly what they want, and and hope it clicks. And and Taman is still a step heavier than like I think it's easier to teach than Tris Magistus, but it has a billion icons. So what depending on what people can understand, and and for that people already said that Tris Magistus was too heavy, but for people who play on Mars for breakfast. These games are super light, so it's it's more it's not about making the games differently; it's communicating the games differently, helping helping players understand the the type of game it is that may not be obvious from the theme or the like the immediate mechanics and whatnot. Yes, and 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 uh, and again, this comes back to the the what resources do you have access to? Because the bigger and more successful your publisher is the more resources the publisher has to communicate this. Which means the game will be more successful. So, Definitely. So the, the, the way the game and the people that publish the game predispose it, it's, 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 it's like it's impossible to achieve equity of opportunities when a random dude signs a random game with a random publisher as opposed to a known designer signing a game somewhat similar to other known games with a known publisher. If they're equally good, the second one will be twice as famous, twice as successful. Let me actually segue into into that because I have two questions for you here that that are somewhat related to each other. Uh, The first one is, what did your pitch for Roman Roll look like? And pretend you, you could pretend you're pitching to us now if you want, or you know, just tell us how that meeting went. Um, so 
uh, Nick and I were working to Alicat Games, who at the time were mostly interested in family and family plus games like Dice Hospital and, and what was their other game at the time? I don't remember. And we did Welcome to Dino World for them. Uh, and throughout the development, I've never even played a role and write before Dino World before I started working at Dinoworld. And I kept saying, oh, can we make this more interesting? Can we make that more interesting? And, and the publisher slash lead developer kept shutting it down, not because it was a bad idea, but because the people who buy Roland writes with uh, Sabrina, what's her name? I'm blanking her name, the lady who drew Quadrop Quadropolis. I feel so yeah. bad when I forget. Yeah, uh, and, and people who buy uh, Roland writes with her art on it, except the family game. And and you can't do strategic risk management into a family game that fits on a paper like this big. And when that I mean, project, probably not. But yeah, go ahead. Like I wouldn't mind, but we would sell it to five people. And uh, and when that project finished, I was like, okay, but can I now make the roll and write game I want? And and Erika said, I'm sure somebody wants it. I don't know how to sell it. Buy. And that was around the time I started working for for uh, PSC Games, and that was the height of the Roll and Write craze. So literally every publisher I was, well, every smallish publisher I was working with was asking me, "Hey, what sort of Roll and Write should we make? Do you have something for us?" And and I went to them saying, "I don't know. Can we have something exciting in a Roll and Write? Can can we have interaction?" And 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 PSC is very much into historical and and occasional war themed games. So it's like. And so I went to them and pitched Quartermaster General, the roll and ride game to them. Okay. And they were like, okay, that sounds interesting. Uh, we don't know whether we want to put it in the Quartermaster line, but let's get going. And we sat down and, yeah, but roll and ride is about writing, which is permanence. So whereas tanks, you want to move and shoot them and blow them up. So yeah, no, Second World War, no, tanks, no, it's not going to work. We can We can make it set in there, but it's not going to feel like it's thematic. Can't, can we find another theme? And the leader, the, the, the boss of PSC played Glory to Rome the day before, and he was like, I have a great idea. Do you know Glory to Rome? I'm like, yes, it's one of my top five games. What do you want? <laughs> I don't know, can you make me Glory to Rome Roland right? I'm like, I could, but I respect Glory to Rome far too much, so I'm going to take the theme of Glory to Rome, of rebuilding Rome after the fire of Nero, and do a completely different game, and it's going to be a roll and write, so you figure out whom to sell it to. Historical theme, heavier than average, it's going to be about as heavy as Welcome to Dino World, I thought at the time. And then Nick came over for a Thursday evening, and we designed a small Euro game. Overnight, essentially. And nice. then... And then we started playing it on paper, and then the tester started playing it on paper, and then it turned into what it is today. And we added more dice drafting to it and uh, figured out how the building adjacency triggers. So there was never a pitch meeting for Roman Roll. This is, this is one of my other tricks, that I don't need pitch meetings. I customize products for what I think the publisher wants to sell. OK. Um... Obviously, you're able to do that now as as a as a well known and well respected designer with many games to your credit. Um, but How think did I get there? Sheer luck, sheer unadulterated, shameless luck. Uh, 
that was yeah. actually going to bring back bring me back to my, the second half of that question. To think back to your first few pitches before you had a, a, a game a published game to your name. Uh, think back to those pitches. What have you like? How did those look? What did you What did you big, do? They were pointless, and nobody understood what was cool about it. Redacted got signed through sheer luck. I went on a board gaming holiday. And the organizer happened to be a publisher, so he had a spare hour. So he looked at it, and he recently started a new company, Ludic Creations, and needed one more game, and he liked the James Bond theme, so he went with it. And after that, I was the first internationally published Hungarian game designer, so the, with my two co-designers, and the three of us were the the guest stars, the, the guests of honor for the Hungarian game designers meetup. And and uh, I asked my uh, the friend who was still living in Hungary, the, Mihai, my co-designer, to go around and and talk to the people and find out if any of them is good enough that we want to work with them. Mm-hmm. And that was four months before Tricarium went on to Kickstarter. So one of the people in the crowd was uh, Victor Peter and Richard Amon, who are one of the best game designers I've ever met. Yeah. And so they came to me and said, hey, here's our finished game. You, the big successful guy who published, who got printed in like two and a half thousand copies, what, what can you tell us? And okay. I, I played the game and I said, nothing. This game is utterly perfect. But while we're at it, do you want to publish one of my games? <laughs> yeah. It's I, 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 I was the first professional game, well, first published game designer they've met. It sometimes comes down to people. It sometimes comes down to luck, and you never know what's gonna break, what's gonna happen. Yeah, dice okay. settlers. I, 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 I was friends with the publisher before the pitch meeting, and then by the time dice settlers Days of Fire came out, and Days of Fire came out, an acronym was already there. And a year later, I could just introduce myself, and 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 then I learned on the job. Like I wasn't born magician on this. With, on, 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 on Anachrony, I watched Victor and Richard work, and on Days of Fire, I tried to do it myself with, with my co-designer Mihai and, and uh, David Kirchhoff, who most people know as the designer of Petricor and Pursuit of Happiness. He was our sane man in the room uh, while we were the crazy designers, and we designed the game, we developed it, we put it on the table, and it was not good. It was okay. And then we went back and did it again. And then another half time. And then after that, it was good. And, and then the next game came around. I was like, okay, I think this is good now. But remember how I thought the first Days of Fire was good? And how big a difference to the last one it made? And I tried to apply that. And then once I started working as a de- developer, like paid to improve other people's games, do you know what the first game I got paid to develop was? Teotihuacan. And... Okay. And you could always tell that the core idea was genius, but I played the game and yeah, this is boring. I don't like it. And then, okay, but what would you change it? I don't know. Maybe improve that a little bit. Maybe improve that a little bit. It's nothing big. It probably won't. And then four, five weeks later, I played the game again. And it's like, holy crap, this is genius. Yeah. And, and, then, and then when I went back to designing my own game, I was like, okay, if I could criticize that piece of near genius to genius work, why can't why wouldn't I just criticize my own? And 
And in the summer of 2018, after I finished working on Teotihuacan, I scrapped like something like six designs. Cause like, nope, this is pure crap. Nope, this is pure crap. Because once I have a point of reference, then it's just apply methodology. Fair enough. Yeah, I definitely get the impression that you make your own luck. Um, so perhaps what what have you done to be in the right place at the right time? Shamelessness, talking a lot, not taking <laughs> no for an answer, being very people's person so I can impose my will on everyone and they don't completely think that I'm a jerk. Definitely helps. Um, you were talking about uh, collaborating with a lot of people earlier. That um, helps can you talk, Be, be self-assured, but don't have any ego in the matter. When, yeah. when, when I'm fighting for my side of the argument, I am as stone-cold solid as you can imagine. But the moment somebody has a better idea, I switch and I promote their idea equally as hard. Exactly. Because it's not about whose idea it is, it's about how good we can get it. And exactly. and other people appreciate this because I have a lot of good ideas, they have a lot of good ideas, and together we have a lot more good ideas. Okay, so that, that actually leads right into like you you, you part you've already partially answered this question, so let me just ask you to expand on it. Can you talk more about your attitude and approach to collaboration? If someone you did not know came to you with a game idea, how might you work with them, or um, how have you worked with collaborators in the past? If somebody comes to me, then make me excited. Give, give me something that I can't get off the shelf, essentially. Because if you come with me with a worker placement game with a cool theme, the publisher will ask me five different themes every year, and I'll pick one of them. Like, and I, you know. But if 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 somebody does something that nobody else that 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 i need a spark on then i like oh i love your idea but can i change that 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 and that and if their reaction to that is or or oh and how about we do that around it and if their reaction is oh i like it because then we can do this and that then we're collaborating if their response is i don't know what the uh, 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 then then i'm like okay are we talking about it or like Really open to 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 my opinion, or are you just trying yes. to get some? Yeah, Where, uh, whereas whereas the 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 other direction is when I bring an idea to somebody else, is what can they help me with? Is is what am I the least? Where can I be helped? I can design an eighty percent functional game in a day, but without a good team, without good polish, it'll take me months and years to get it to hundred percent. So, so right now, the, the, the most exciting project for me is I, I played two Luciani games last month. Then I had a quick chat with Simone. Then I sent him an email saying, hey, why is there no game that does this, 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 and that? He asked me back two questions, and I said, hold that thought. I sent him a, design, a game I designed over the weekend, and then now he's making it good. And... That's that's something nobody else can add to it. Yeah. So so when you when you know you can work with someone that can take that idea that's eighty percent there and then add some more polish, add some more fun stuff to it. Yeah. Like I can expand other people's ideas, and other people can improve my ideas. That's that's I think 
or not improve polish that's that's the good word so i need finish and i can help people that aren't there yet like that's a good idea hold on to that but in order to keep me interested at this and that's why my games tend to be happy uh, heavy because yeah because while i do try to add as little as possible but if i have to choose between not adding or adding three steps to make it four steps more interesting, I will always choose the second option. Mm, yeah. Even if the current one was already good enough, if I can make it more interesting, up until I, like, obviously there's a point where you make it one step more complicated and make it half step better, and you should stop at that point because now you're making it worse. But, but, but the, the, the knowing where a game gets too much is a different skill altogether. So exactly, knowing what knowing what to cut is sometimes just as difficult as knowing what. I think it's usually different. easy because you always wanna like pick the weakest part of the game and either make it good or cut it. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you identify what a weak part of the game is? Talantin, so you had the central choice structure of do you want to advance your rondo, do you want to place a worker, or do you just want to get stuff so you can do those two things next turn? And the original turn structure of the game was uh, pick any two. Actually, the original structure of the game was pick any one and then pay a special resource to take a second different one. And... Every game, there was one or two people who didn't manage to get enough of that special resource and hated the game. Because they couldn't take the extra action, yeah. Yes, and they felt like they were playing half a game. So I went to pick any two actions. And then the game took four and a half hours. (laughs) So now the final version is, here is the one action that creates five sub-choices. And here are all the other actions. Pick this or two of those. Okay. So the the, the thing that was the weakest part of the game was the ability to optimize actions. Yeah, okay. It didn't need that. uh, It is now optimizing strategy. But doing two small actions is exactly as strong as doing one big action. So it's not like, oh, I can do more than you. It's the things I'm doing gets me closer to my strategy. And, or, 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 yeah, what, what else was there? I, I don't know what. <laughs> some, some games get edited a lot. Some games are like obvious. Like, Sometimes it's, it's sometimes it's obvious in retrospect what, yes. what is or should get taken out. Sometimes it's the sort of thing where, like I've definitely been in a situation where I know something isn't quite clicking, so I put it on the shelf for a while. Maybe a few months later, I come back to it out of curiosity, and then you go, "Why the hell didn't I take that out before? Why was that? Why was that one thing in the game for so long, or whatever?" Yeah, and I was working in a on a game that that had some cool tiling elements and had a blackjack-like scoring. And when I told the rules, everybody went, ooh, blackjack like scoring, that sounds exciting. And then we got to the blackjack part and went, oh, this is it. So it was obvious yeah. that, that either has to get better or it needs to get cut. So first we tried cutting, the game went, Bleh. then we fixed that by redesigning half of the game, which needed the new scoring mechanism, and ta-da, we brought the blackjack back, 
remembered what was wrong, why it was Mech the last time, tweet two on it, and now at least there's no problem with that. There's a lot of problems elsewhere in the game. It's not finished yet, but but that was like a, everybody knew what was the weakest part of the game. And now it is. So it's moved into the editing instead, or more like at this point, it's in the balancing phase because there are four strategies and one of them is just good. So we'll fix that. Nice. Uh, next question for you. When you are bringing together multiple different mechanisms in a complex game, how do you make your first prototype? Do you have a series of mini games or do you have modules that you plug in or pull out? It's all in my head. This, this is where the functioning crazy personness helps a lot. Uh, if I can't justify every cogwheel in my head, I don't even build a game. Once okay. every cogwheel is justified in my head, then I write a rule book, then I generate the content, then I make sure everything makes sense, then I play and pick out which is the weakest part. If there is no strong part, in the olden days, I would have abandoned the game after two or three plays. Right now, I probably abandon it in the middle of the first turn. Uh, but if there's a good part, then identify the bad part. Fix it. Can I tie it back to the good part? Can I make one fix, make everything better? Again, Tawantinsu is the best example. I was trying to make the five actions on the rondel interesting, and one of them required you to build these statues and toss them in. And But the statues were like just resource dumps for victory points. But when they started triggering the very same cards you used for a completely different mechanism to pick your actions with, it was like, how was this ever going to work any other way? So I didn't need to test those mechanisms separately. I didn't need to test out the rondel. I didn't need to test out the worker placement adjacency. It was like, does one of them justify the existence of the other? And... But that's why okay. my style is all about systems engineering, because I justify the whole system first and then make every wheel of it as pretty as possible. Because if the whole system is not sound, then what's the point of pretty wheels? True. And that's okay. why I love working with mechanical designers, because they can provide good wheels for me. And I just have to figure out how they look together. That's why Tekken was the easiest design of my life, because I described the problem to Tashini, and he sent three fully formed mechanisms to me, and I put it together in a game. Nice. Like, in three days. As in, at the end of the first week, the game was about 85% the same as it, 95% the same as it is now in published game. So, because he makes perfect mechanisms, and I just had to see the whole system in my head. Nice. Um, I'll I come wish back to it was that easy to, to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, it definitely sounds like the, the collaboration has definitely helped uh, that game kind of uh, get yeah. formed and stuff. Um, okay, I'll come back to a question from Rafa again. Um, do you know of any perfectly designed and executed mid-heavy games by indie publishers or first-time game, first game designers? Yes, Tricarion. It's the perfect Euro game. What makes it perfect, in your opinion? Everything matters. There is nothing in the game that's in there for the hell of it. There is nothing in there that's visibly weaker than the rest. Okay, the prophecies, the event randomizers, but when I teach the game, I just take it out. It's, it's like you don't even miss it. Uh, but like 
everything interlocks. There's a simultaneous turning planning so that while you're bashing your head in, the game doesn't go slower. There is an interactive worker placement mechanism so you care about turn order, and the turn order ties into the victory points that ties into your engine building, that ties into your level upping, so you have to decide whether to get a lot of points late or a bit of points early, but you also have to get money because otherwise you get penalized, and and, and then there is the interaction of how you play it. Everything matters, and and like I was teaching it to somebody, especially at lower player counts where you can expect what the other player is doing, what component you order for next round, replacing which old component makes a strategic difference for the next player. That's like, I I couldn't, like, you'd, ha you'd have to stumble onto a member, uh, an interaction that meaningful with that little. And and that's why most, not, not, not most, that's why many people play the game and score 65 points and don't understand what the hell is going on because it's all about seeing those micro interactions. Yeah. And that's so why the solo mode is uh, 20 pages long and uh, more complicated than most board games because I was like, I'm not going to make a solo mode for this game that doesn't em emulate these micro interactions. Your ability to really pick up on those micro interactions yes. really helps your ability to play the game. Yes. But to me, a game is exciting if I'm building something while constantly caring about what you're building. Definitely. If, if I don't care about what I'm building, then it's mush. If I don't care about what you're building, it's boring. So... Okay. And, and it's not about stopping the other, and it's not about racing the other. It's about caring. In yeah, Gallerist, I want to know how likely it is that I get bumped out before my next turn. In Tricarion, I want to know how likely it is that you're going to rush to the theater. In Hit Me With A Game I Like. In, in Brass, I care about almost everything you do, but not on an action level, but on a over the next four actions level. So okay. th those are the perfect games where I set out a plan, I build up to it, I achieve it, I optimize it, but meanwhile, at every point, I want to look up and see what you're doing. And what you're doing matters at, at all stages as well. And, and, like, obviously in some games I managed to achieve it better than in others, but in, in Roman Roll, it was all about the positive interaction. Okay, I draft this die, you draft this die, and then at that point, most die-drafting games go eye down and, okay, how can I optimize the dice that I drafted? Whereas what Roman Roll does is, okay, if he builds a building there, then I can build a building next to him, which gives him a jewelry, but gives me a senator, and then I can use that senator to uh, build those roads over there, but that gets, gets him a resource, which means next round he might not draft that. So everything interlocks with what everyone else is doing in a like in a positive way, in a positive interaction way, but positive interaction isn't necessarily we, I give you something and that's good for us. It's more about I want to care about what you do. I, I'm not hoping not to be annoyed by you. That's, that's, exactly. the, that's the, the, the racing kind of interaction. And that's not even the same as what people call negative interaction, which is I screw you. That's bad. And yet a game about fighting is perfectly fine because Petricor or or Dice Settlers both involve 
at a certain point aggressively attacking the other player, but never randomly. I can always tell a turn ahead when I'm getting attacked. And I put myself in that situation for that. For, so I don't mind conflict, but, yeah. but I need to know what you're doing to determine whether it's best for you to conflict with me or not. So in that way, while conflict is a destructive interaction, but it's a positive feeling on my gameplay. It keeps me engaged. Whereas if you play a, take that card from your hand, that doesn't keep me engaged because up until the second you played it, I'm not going, oh my God, what if he has that card? Exactly. So for me, it's all about the engagement, always. Okay. So uh, we are wrapping up here. Got a couple more questions for uh, David. Uh, and thank you to everyone in the lobby sticking around. Um, put on your put on your uh, prognosticator cap, if you would, from your ten thousand meter view. Where do you see board games going in the next few years? Kickstarter, publishers, designers. What do you think's coming up in the industry? I'm just a crazy dude making up games in a corner. I am I am a terrible person to ask that question. Uh, I hope they stay strong and they stay strong long because i would hate to get another job <laughs> that i can believe uh like we have one of the best game one of the best jobs in the world we get to make people have fun and maybe even make some money for it better yet um, i can have fun and get paid for it yeah uh speaking of speaking of which uh when you play games do you tend to win your favorite games more often than no not? i lose yeah. almost every game i spend so much brain power analyzing the system that I, I I often misjudge my own strategy. And and the, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with every single playtester of mine beating me at every single game of mine. That's yeah. Plus, plus my girlfriend can just beat me at every single game ever anyways. So <laughs> even if it's not a playtest. So lately we've been playing Spirit Island so that I don't go to sleep crying. Okay. Uh, well, I'd like to thank you, David, for uh, offering us your thoughts and ideas on game design. Um, where do we find more of you? Where do we learn more about what you're making right now? And what's the, most, the, the most reliable knowledge base of me is my BGG user profile. It's T Daver. Uh, and uh, you can find it through my games or whatever, where I maintain a list of all my upcoming announced and a quick teaser of my not announced games. Uh, besides that, I'm always relentlessly posting on all major Facebook groups. Tag me anywhere. I'm everywhere. Nice. I've, this, this is my life. I'm crazy. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Thank you once again, David. Happy to